Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Now, we read from a verse of the scripture that is in Matthew chapter 27, and at the very end of that verse, in verse number 22, the Bible tells, the, the, the question was asked there, Pilate said unto them, what shall I do with this dear Jesus? What shall I do with this year with, uh, with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they said unto him, let him be crucified. Okay? And that is where we are taking the text, you know, the, 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 the theme of our, of our of our message this morning is a question that Pilate asks. He said, what shall I do with this Jesus? Now, for generations now, people have tried as much as possible to undermine the very essence of the Christian faith. Okay? They've tried to deny the essence of our faith, the, that's the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. There has been the main focus, or that has been the main focus of the skeptics and the irreligious. People can accommodate a harmless baby. You know, they don't have a problem with a baby that is born in the manger. People can accommodate a moral teacher. Okay? They don't have a problem with a moral teacher. Somebody they feel that is just a nice guy. Okay? They have no problem. To some extent, they have no problem with a miracle worker. Okay? Is it a miracle? They see something that they are going to benefit from it. So they don't have a problem with that. But they have a problem with a resurrected Savior. They have a problem with that resurrected Savior. And the problem is that... The, 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 the reason is that it, you know, it is difficult to accept a resurrected Savior because Jesus, you know, it, 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 it forces them to accept the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Accepting the resurrection means that they are now, they have to accept the fact that Jesus Christ is a divine personality if they accept the resurrection. If they accept the resurrection, they, it means that they are no longer, man is no longer the final authority. Okay? And that is one of the reasons why the resurrection is the biggest stumbling block for a lot of people. You will notice that during the time of Easter, a lot of people start doing all sorts of documentary. That's when they tell you, is the Bible true? That's when they tell you, Jesus Christ actually raised up. They start coming up with all sorts of things because they just cannot stand the idea that somebody died and rose again from the dead. Okay? We are now, you know, once you accept Jesus Christ that he died and rose from the dead, you are now accountable to a higher authority. Okay? And we are now responsible for our own actions if you accept that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead. Okay? And we don't want to do that. Okay? And that is why many of us reject the whole idea. That's why many of us don't want, many people do not want to accept that Jesus Christ did what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. In Luke chapter 2, reading from verse number 34, Luke 2, 34, when Jesus was brought into the temple for dedication, through the mouth of Simon the prophet, it was spoken, that behold, this child is set to is set for the falling and the rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. 
and that the thought of many may be revealed. This was the revelation that was given. This was a prophecy that came when Jesus Christ was brought into the temple when he was born. That was a prophecy that was given. That he was going to be set for the rising and the falling of some people. In other words, those who accept him will see themselves being risen up. Those who do not accept him will see themselves what? Falling down. Okay? It shall be a sign that will be spoken against. This Jesus Christ was going to be a stumbling block. Not because he wants to be a stumbling block, but because of the fact that what he has done is going to be very difficult to accept. In Isaiah chapter 8, reading from verse number 14, the Bible tells us there, He shall be a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, to both the house of Israel and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus Christ, the fact that he's, this fact of his coming is going to be such a problem for a lot of people that there will be people who will not just be able to stand him. The name of Jesus, if you want to stop a conversation at work, just mention the name of Jesus. That conversation comes to an end. Everybody, no, nobody wants to continue. And the people who want to be able to find a way to escape it, they just begin to give you another excuse and walk away. Jesus Christ, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, he shall be a stumbling block, a rock of offense to other people. Okay? What we as individuals do with Jesus will determine which aspect of those prophecies will be fulfilled. What we do with this same Jesus is either it's going to be a rock of offense for us or that particular rock that will give us an elevation and promotion. So, what we as individuals do with Jesus will make a lot of difference. It will determine which aspect of the prophecies that were spoken about Christ will be fulfilled in our own lives. Okay? We can try to dismiss Jesus. People can try to ridicule Jesus. They can try to reject Jesus. But you cannot ignore Jesus. That is an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who who claim that there is no God, for some reason you are so angered by the person that you say does not exist is always it's always fascinating to me you say there is no god but anytime you talk about the fact that there is no god you are so worked up you are so angry why should you be so bothered by something that does not exist if it doesn't exist okay so we can we, we can we can ridicule jesus we can we can reject him we can deny him but one thing is very sure you cannot ignore jesus you cannot you have to do something about jesus and that was what Pilate was asking what do you want me to do with this jesus this guy is not going to go away what do you do with this Jesus? What do I do with this Jesus? Now, as we celebrate the Easter season, the season when we celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is fitting for us to take a closer look at the one symbol that represents the victory that Christ has for us, and that is the cross. Okay? But also, it is a need for us to examine the real meaning, the real meaning of what happened on the cross. What happened on the cross? And what should be our response to what happened on the cross? What happened to the Lord Jesus Christ and what should be our response to the Lord Jesus Christ? That's one thing we need to look at. And to understand the meaning and the impact of what happened on the cross, there is a need for us to first of all understand the need for Calvary. Why did Jesus Christ have to even come and die on the cross in the first place? Why did he have to come? And to understand that, you must understand, number one, the need for the cross, what happened on the cross. Why is the cross necessary? Why is the cross necessary? The cross is necessary, number one, because a holy and a righteous God cannot look at sin. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord is so pure that he cannot behold iniquity. If you are going to walk with the Almighty God, if you are going to walk with the Almighty God, sin must be out of our lives. And because we are already separated from Christ, it is very difficult for us to now come to him. And that is why the cross became necessary. The cross became necessary because the holy and the righteous God cannot overlook sin. Number two, the cross is very important. The cross was necessary because sinful man is lost and separated from God. 
You all know the story when the Bible tells us that when the when, when Adam and Eve ate that particular fruit, they were separated from the Almighty God. And because they were separated from the Lord, there is no way they can find their way back unto Him. And that He had to now make a sacrifice for us on the cross of Calvary. That is the reason why you have it. That is the reason for the cry for, for the cross. And number three, the reason for the cross is that the penalty for sin is death. And because God does not want his people to die, if you, the most popular verse in scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God does not want the death of anybody, and that is why he had to give us the cross. That's why he had to give us the cross. And the Bible says, almost all things are by law purged with the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. In other words, it is not possible for anybody's sin to be forgiven unless there is a shedding of blood. And that is why if you look in the Old Testament, there was a lot of sacrifice that was done. But the Bible tells us that the blood of bulls and blood of goats will not, say, will not take away our sins. Because if they did, the Old Testament priests will not be doing every year. They will not be sacrificing every year. And that is why Jesus came to give us that once and for all sacrifice that cleanses us from our sins. So, you must understand that unless they, at, at, at Calvary, God made a permanent way for sin to be, you know, to be, to be satisfied, to, 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 be, to be dealt with. God dealt with sin once and for all on the cross of Calvary. And when he did that, he gave Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice. At Calvary, therefore, three things happened. The first thing that happened was that the judgment of God over sin was satisfied. That was what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. Number two, the, the penalty for sin was paid. Jesus gave his life for your sins and for my sins. And finally, man was reconciled back to God. Yes. Those were the three basic things that happened. The penalty for sin was paid. The sacrifice for sin was offered and man was reconciled back to God. In other words, the divine grace, grace of God was extended to us as individuals. The perfect sacrifice for sin was offered and total access for God was granted. The Bible tells us that when Jesus Christ died, there was a thundering in the heavens. And the particular, if you, in the, in the temple in Jerusalem at that time, it said that the, the veil that separated the holy place from the holies of holies, that particular veil was torn into two. And as it was torn into two, everybody now had access to that holies of holy. That tells you total access was granted to everyone. That's why you, that's why me, we can kneel down here and call upon the name of the Lord and He can hear us. Thank you for listening. Before we continue with today's message, here's a preview of next week. Why did they put their palm, why were they putting palm on the tree, uh, on the road? Why were they doing all the things that they were doing? Apart from the Father, it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Why were they doing all those things? Why were people seeking after Him? Why were they singing his praises? Why were they showering him with adoration? Why were all of a sudden he became very, very popular? If you see the reason, you look at verse number 12. The Bible told us in verse number 12, you know, in that John chapter 12 that we're in, the passage of the scripture we just read was saying that Jesus came. A lot of people came to meet him. The question is why? Why did people come to turn out to see the Lord Jesus Christ? There are several reasons. The first reason is that when people, you know, people have encountered the Lord Jesus Christ in the past. They've enjoyed the things that Jesus can do for them. Now they heard. The Bible tells us in verse number 12. It said, next day, they heard that Jesus was coming to town. Many of them came to the Lord Jesus Christ just because they had the fact that he was there. He was coming and they wanted to show up. It's just like when you see a very big minister, very popular minister, if he's coming to town, regardless of what he's coming to do, a lot of people show up. The same thing happened here. Many people showed up because they heard Jesus was coming to town. Number two, why did they come? They came because they thought it was a big party. 
You remember the last time Jesus Christ was close to Jerusalem. The Bible told us that he fed 5,000 people with five loaves of fish and two, uh, with five loaves of bread and two fishes. They thought that yes, this is another good, this is going to be another block party. And they showed up. Why did they show up? They showed up because they thought that they were going to see, they saw his glorious entrance. I mean, you see somebody riding on a donkey, riding on a, a, a donkey, and everybody lying down there, the palm tree before him. They didn't know what was going on. They just said, okay, there's a spectacular sight. What is going on? Let us join the, let us join the party. So they came because they saw a glorious sight. Number four, they came because they wanted to be a part of history. This was the fulfillment of prophecy. This was a fulfillment of the things that has been written by Zechariah. They wanted to be a part of it. Not only that, they came because some of them were just simply confused. The Bible says that this was a time of a feast in Jerusalem. There were people coming from all over the, all over the world. They were coming to Jerusalem at that time to worship. And they saw somebody, they saw this rabbi riding on a donkey and everybody was coming. They said, okay, what is going on there? I, mean, I don't know whether you've ever noticed when you are driving on the freeway and something happens and one or two people are just you know you're popping out their neck and they're trying to find out what's going on a lot of people just keep looking they don't know what's going on they are confused and that is what in most cases creates hold up or creates a traffic on the freeway because you just see people trying to see what is going on and this is the same thing that is happening here a lot of people came because they were simply confused as to what is going on a lot of people came because they remembered the miracles that they've enjoyed in the past they remember the miracles, they remember the food that he has given to them. Many of them saw that many of them were healed before. Many of them have been delivered. Many of them have their loved ones, you know, taken care of. And because of that, they wanted to see if Jesus was going to repeat what he had done in the past. So they came. Many of them also came expecting something from him. They came because they were expecting something from him. Maybe he will turn water into wine. Maybe he will multiply the bread again. Maybe he will heal the sick again. Maybe he will do something for them. You know, so people did all sorts of people show you know people showed up expecting something from the Almighty God. And some came because they were so angry with the Lord Jesus Christ that they just wanted to find a way to shut him down. And the category of people that came like that were the Pharisees. They showed up with the rest of the people because they felt, hey, this guy is becoming too popular. We have to do something about him. Those were the another group of people that showed up. So else of people showed up. That for whatever for whatever reason that people showed up, one thing you will notice the the, the, the same thing you will notice is that it's the same thing that is going on in the church today. All sorts of people show up in church. People show up in church because they don't know what to do on a Sunday morning. Some people show up in church on drugs because they felt that, well, this is, this is what my parents taught me to do, so I show up on Sunday morning. Some people just show up because, well, well, let's just go to church. Some people just show up because they like the face of the pastor. Some people show up for one reason or the other. People show up for different reasons. Some people just show up because their parents forced them to be there. Some people show up because they felt that, well, when they come to church, when I need help, the church, will, the church will come to my rescue. People show up to church for all sorts of reasons, hoping to see Jesus tickle their fancy but the question I want to ask you this morning is this why have you showed up in church today why are we seeking the Lord Jesus Christ but in the past you had to travel to the house of a priest for him to do that thing for you, for, you, for, for him to be able to intercede on your behalf. So this is the, these are the things that happened on the cross of Calvary. In Luke 23, verse 46, the Bible says, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, unto thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said that, he gave up the ghosts. Now when Jesus died, Satan thought that he had won the victory. Okay? Yeah. When Jesus died, Satan thought he won the victory. 
thinking God's plan had been defeated and therefore victory was his. Because that was what Satan taught. And when Jesus was being taken away and being sealed in the uh, sealed in the uh, in the grave, you know, there was a lot of hopelessness in the air. There was a lot of uh, despair. There was a lot of despondency. People thought that that was the end of the whole story. Here was a man who said that he was going to raise up, or he was going to he was going to deliver, he was going to deliver the whole of Israel. This is the same man that they, they now saw dying on the cross and now being hauled away and be placed, you know, placed in the in the, in the tomb. And discouragement filled the heart of the disciples. The Bible says that they had to leave. They were all afraid. They went somewhere to go and hide themselves. Okay? The disciples went into hiding just because they felt that that was the end of it. But the interesting thing, which is what we are celebrating during this season, the interesting thing is that the grave could not hold the Lord Jesus Christ. The grave could not hold him. Death could not stop him. And because death could not stop him, the host of hell that felt that they have that felt that they have defeated the Lord Jesus Christ, they themselves were the ones that were defeated. Okay, they were the ones that were defeated. And come Sunday morning, the Bible told us that the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, the, the stones was rolled away, and the Lord Jesus Christ came out triumphant. Yeah. Matthew six, reading from verse one, tells us that as he began, as he began to and as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and it sat upon it. And the angel answered and said unto, and said unto the woman, For fear not, fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, Come and see the place where he laid. In other words, there was darkness when Jesus Christ died. There was despondency. There was discouragement. A lot of people went in. You know, the disciples were dis, they were disheartened. They, they felt that that was the end of the story. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you, you see the grief and the pain was and uncertainty was turned into what was turned into joy and rejoicing. On Sunday, God displayed His victory, and we know that because the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians chapter two that therefore God has highly exalted Him and given Him a name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. No matter how much of the world we try to, no matter how much the world try to run away from the issue of the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how much they try to run away from the issue of sin. No matter how much they try to ridicule or ignore the sacrifice of Christ on the cross of Calvary. No matter how they try to deny the bodily resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or ridicule the saving grace. We all have this, you know, we all have to face this man called Jesus. We all have to face him. You can ignore the sacrifice he did for us. They can try to resurrect. You know, they can deny the bodily resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and say he never resurrected. They can do whatever they have to do, but they all have to face Jesus. Now you have two options: you can face Jesus as a loving, you know, as a, as a as a righteous God, or you can face him as a very as a righteous judge. Okay, you can face him as somebody who forgives your sin, or you can face him as somebody who will judge your sin. It's a function of which one you want to do. Philippians chapter 2 reading from verse 9 the Bible tells us there the Bible tells us that God has highly exalted him and has given him a name above every other name that at the name of Jesus every tongue will bow every, every, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord we will face him now we can either face him now as a loving savior or face him later as a resurrected judge those are the two options we have but whether we like it or not we are going to face Jesus Christ so it's better you face him now that he's a loving God and he can forgive us our sins or we can face him later when he will become a righteous judge. Like Pilate, we must answer the question, what will I do 
with this Jesus? What will I do with this Jesus? And to be able to confront this question effectively and answer and resolve the issue of who Jesus Christ is, we need to be able to under you know we need to be able to come to the point where we understand what happened at Easter season, and then we must clarify a couple of things. If you are going to know, if you are going to ask yourself, what am I going to do with this Jesus? How do I respond to this Jesus? You must understand one thing. Who is this particular person called Jesus? Because it is the person that you know. That is the person you are going to be able to respond to. You must have a knowledge of his person. Okay? Who is this Jesus to you? Who is this Jesus to me? Is it just a good miracle worker? Or is it just somebody who just happened to be, you know, who, who, who's, a, who's a figment of our own imagination? Is this somebody who we read in a, in a fable that they refer, they refer to the Bible as a fable? The thing is, that who is this Jesus? Unless you know who Jesus is, it is very difficult for us to be able to respond to him. Okay? Because if you don't know Jesus as the Son of God, if you don't know him as the true sacrifice of all, as the true sacrifice for sin, if you don't know him as the one who has come to finish up the war, to be able to bridge the gap between man and God, if you don't know him like that, you will not be able to respond to him. The same thing happens to us. If we come into any new, any new environment and you are trying to form a relationship with new people, unless you know those individuals, relating to them becomes very difficult. The same thing. Who is this Jesus and how do we relate to him? Unless you understand his nature, you will not be able to relate to him. Number two, unless you understand his purpose, why he came, you may not be able to relate, you may not be able to know what to do with him. Jesus came so that the people who have been separated from the Almighty God can be related, can be reunited back to God. The relationship that has been broken can be built back again. If we do not understand that purpose, then relating or responding to Jesus or, be, or, or walking in, or, or, or coming close, coming to the point where we want to say yes, we want to respond to his person, it becomes very difficult. Yeah. If you don't understand, number one, his nature, and number two, his purpose. Number three, you will not be able to respond to the Lord Jesus unless you understand this mission here on earth. His mission here on earth. Why did he come? What was the importance? Why is it necessary for Jesus to die on the cross? Why is it necessary for us to, to be able to have access? Why is it necessary for Jesus to die on the cross so that we can have access to Christ, to have access to God? You must understand why his mission here on earth is important. If you know who he is, if you know his purpose, and you know his mission here on earth, then it's a lot easier for you to relate to him. In any relationship that you have, if you're working with any individual, if you know that individual very well, and you know that this is a person with a particular purpose in mind. And that purpose aligns with your own purpose. And you know that their mission in life is to be able to make, it is to be able to do certain things that agree with your own. It is very easy for you to walk with that person. That's why the Bible tells in the book of Amos chapter 3 verse 3. It says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Unless they are in agreement, it is very difficult for them to, it is very difficult for people to have, you know, a good relationship. And that's the same thing when you're working with Christ. If you don't understand his if you don't understand his mission, you don't understand his purpose. You don't even know who he is in the first place. How then do you? What do you? How did? How did you respond to him? It's very difficult. You will not be able to respond to him. So, not only that, we must also understand his place in eternity. You must understand his place in eternity, and that what that means is this: What is the position of Christ in eternity? If you look at the book of John, John, Gospel of John, chapter one, the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God. 
and the word himself was God. In other words, you are not talking about just another person. You're not talking about just another prophet. You're not talking about just another individual. You are talking about the word incarnate. The Bible says that he now the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, even the glory of the only begotten son. In other words, we are talking about the real the God incarnate. Unless you understand his place in eternity, unless you understand his mission, unless you understand his purpose, unless you understand his identity, it will be very difficult for you to relate with Jesus Christ. Okay? Unless you understand all those things about Christ, it becomes very difficult to be able to relate to the Lord Jesus Christ. Until you come to an understanding that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, like I said, that is the time you will begin to understand that Jesus Christ is the one that we need to be able to relate to. Until we come to the understanding that Jesus, for he shall... (coughs) In Matthew chapter 1 verse 21, the Bible says that his name shall be called Jesus because he will deliver his people from their sins. Matthew 1 21. Unless you see Jesus in that light, unless you see him as the one that delivers from sin, unless you see him as the one that sits on the right right hand of God's throne, interceding for us unless you see him as the one the one that is the, the one that is that is that the one that is currently is and the one that is to come he's the same yesterday today and forever unless you see him in that light it will be very difficult for what to for us to be able to relate to him until we realize that god for that god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that jesus christ that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Until we see Jesus in that light, relating with him becomes very, very difficult. Until we come to terms with the fact of scripture, responding rightly to the question posed over 2,000, and year, over 2000 years ago will prove to be elusive in our own life. Until we come to that understanding that Jesus Christ is the one and the only one that will be able to set us, you know, that will be able to bring us together bring us again, bring us back to a relationship with the Almighty God. Unless we are able to see that, it becomes very difficult for us to be able to relate to Him. So this very morning, I'm not going to take much of our time this morning, but what I wanted us to do is, I want us to ask ourselves, what is my relationship with the Almighty God? That is the question. Who is this Jesus Christ to me? Okay? Because what you find is that many of us are in church, and what we have is what is referred to as second-hand experience. Okay? Second-hand experience in the sense that it is what we hear the preacher, or what we hear our family, or what we hear our daddy, or what we hear our mommy talk about Christ. That is what we know. But we have to come to an encounter with Christ. The question is, who is Jesus to you? And what are you going to do about him? Who is Jesus to you? Every one of us are going to answer that question. Whether we like it or not, we are going to answer that question. And like I said earlier on, you have two options. Option number one is to relate to him now as a loving savior or relate to him later as a judge, you know, as a fierce judge that will judge our sins. So the question now is, what, how, how, what, is, our, what, what is our relationship with him and how do we see this Jesus? How do we see this Jesus? I want you to bow your head and talk to the Almighty God. If you have not been able to define your relationship with him, if you have not been able to be able to answer that question, who is this Jesus? If you have not been able to answer the question, what you want to do with him, then we need to be able to start thinking and asking ourselves this morning. and say, Lord, here I am, O God. Here I am, O God. Help me to know what it means to walk with you. That is the question. That is the thing. Help me to know what it means to walk with you. 
Help me to know what it means to walk with you. I want you to open your mouth and talk to the Almighty God. Help me to know what it means to walk with you. It is one thing for us to be in church. It's another thing for us to be able to understand the reason why we're in church. It is one thing for us to be in church. It's another thing for us to have a relationship with the person that we have come to meet. It is one thing to come to church. another thing to be able to have a relationship with Christ. This morning I'm asking, you, we are going to pray and say, Lord, help me to know what it means to walk with you. Lord, help me to know what it means to walk with you. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. We invite you to join us for our monthly Fresh Encounter Prayer Conference every last Saturday of the month from 12 noon until 3 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.